Oh my god, okay, it's happening. Everyone stay calm, okay, what's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, 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 everybody just calm down. Like, literally, that is how my mind was running around as if it was a hamster, you know, and it's a little wheel with every single deal that went down during this off, uh, this this trade deadline. And I must admit, it, it is one of the best trade deadlines of recent memory, maybe of all time. And it blew me away. It absolutely was incredible to have each deal go down the way it was a few down to the last minutes, the 6 p.m. deadline of August 2nd. And, and, and I'm telling you, I am here to recap it for you. I am here to tell you how amazing it was, even if you weren't a baseball fan, because, because when it comes down to it, trades are awesome. Negotiations are tense. And sometimes championships are won because of deals like this. So with High Voltage... With Double A, I am your host, Double A, trying to break down every single deal. Well, I shouldn't say that. The big deals I will break down. I might mention some of the small ones, but for the most part, I, I really don't want to waste too much of your time and of my time. So I'm going to really just get into, you know, the main deals, who won, who lost, and my predictions going to the end. And maybe some fantasy impact because I haven't really talked about fantasy baseball all that much, especially now the fact that it's August, you have football training camps going on, you're going to have fantasy football going on in which, you know, people are going to be much more interested in hearing about that than fantasy baseball. Before we get started, I also want to pay tribute to the greatest broadcaster of all time, Vince Scully who passed away, unfortunately. And I have to admit, I, I don't know a whole lot about him. I, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I don't typically hear a lot of Dodgers games. I know he broadcasted a lot of their games, but I, I'm starting to listen a lot more of games that he did that, weren't, that wasn't just Dodgers, you know, and he didn't even just do baseball. He did other sports like golf. And I, from what I hear, he's an incredible person. He's an incredible storyteller. And from, you know, examples and stories in which I hear from people, he was absolutely phenomenal, not only as a person, but also at his job. So uh, the, one of my favorite calls in which I knew was Vince Scully, you know, at the All-Star game with Bo Jackson, hey, I'm running. He said, Bo says hello, you know, and, and it's just like a, like a leadoff homer on the second pitch of the half inning. And it was just awesome. It's just one of my favorite Vince Scully calls and rest in peace, prayers to his family and and to you know those who were impacted by him those who really were close to him because really what it comes down to it, it it's beyond baseball right it's still a person and you know someone it's grieving and he had a, a big family not just his intermittent family but also his kids and his grandkids and he definitely had a lot of them in total so definitely prayers to them but now we must get started because when it comes down to it that's really what the episode was about. I had to pay a little bit of a tribute to, again, the greatest broadcaster that baseball has ever seen. And I'm not sure if you can make an argument otherwise when it comes to other sports. But that's for another discussion for another day. Let's get started for the first deal that was at least, it was around trade deadline time. It had the connotation. It wasn't close to the deadline, but it was close enough. And that's the Mets. They made two deals with the Pirates to bolster their depth, one with catcher with Michael Perez and the other one with Daniel Volo back. And I'm like, eh, you know, you bolster your, your depth. I mean, okay, you know, you didn't make anything splashy. It's 
kind of make it known that we don't need to do anything big. Let's just, you know, round it off and see what we can get without giving up a whole lot. And, and you know, even if we were to get Awansa, where the hell would we put him, you know? So you just might as well just shore up the bench. And they definitely did do that. I just wish that, you know, they didn't give up Kyle Holderman because he actually seemed pretty good. Uh, 26 years old. I know he's a rookie, but still. He's going to, Vogelbeck's going to do some things. And, and I know as a left hand bat, he's better than Dom Smith. But still, on a one year contract, you give up someone with a lot of control. The Pirates came very much well away with the, with this deal. And with the Perez deal, is just for cash. So it's not really nothing much there. Uh, the Red Sox acquire an outfielder, you know, so it's uh, not like, and I think he's going to be in the minors. So nothing big there. Uh, ben Bonin goes from, uh, um, I've, uh, uh, from the Rays, I I think to the to the Giants. You also have what is it? You, the Mets again with Dev getting Tyler Naquin. So and the Reds, I'm going to get into. They were really really awesome during this trade deadline. But it definitely, it was kicked off the big move by the Yankees, in which he's not vaccinated, and there's a chance that the Yankees might play Toronto, not just in the regular season, but also in the playoffs. And I have to admit, this was a was a bold move because of the vaccination status but at the same time they were like okay we don't really like Joey Gallo we we need to have you know better hitters you know better batting average hitters and Ben Benintendi hitting at least 300 did that right and and providing you a little bit of defense and and I feel like he can bring a little bit of a presence. He was part of that stretch with the Red Sox where he did go to the playoffs. And it really just told Yankees fans that this was just the beginning. And it really was. So uh, the, the the Royals came away okay in this deal. But I really do feel like this was a great, great move by the Yankees. And a, a phenomenal season that they're having. And when it comes to a fantasy impact, because again, Ben Benintendi is a name which should be owned by everyone in the league. Otherwise, I, it's not worth mentioning any other players in terms of fantasy. But Ben Benintendi is going to get a really big benefit going from Coffin Stadium to Yankee Stadium with the corners in, in which he can pull the ball. Or even if he hits the opposite way, it should definitely, you know, more often not go over the fence rather than in Coffin Stadium and their dimensions. So that's huge. Absolutely huge, and I, I will admit, I hate the Yankees, but I do love what they're doing. And it's really unfortunate. They're the big, bad empire, but you, they are a fun team to watch, and I, it seems like they actually might go all the way this year. We're, we'll see. When it comes to the Mariners now, so the Yankees did that. The next day, Seattle goes out against Luis Castillo, in which pitches well against the Yankees. Uh, Scott Severa says, like, I wasn't here that long for Felix, but he definitely look like Felix in a way and the Reds again came away with a good package right so I just talked about Tyron Naquin got a little bit from the Mets they came away big from the Mariners you know getting three of their top five prospects one or two of which were in the top hundred of the overall prospects in the MLB really great job by the Reds and also just an all-in move by the Mariners. I don't see the Mariners being a serious contender, but this firmly puts them in place to finally make the playoffs and finally be a serious contender to be uh, to be reckoned with throughout the rest of the season because people are like, oh, you know, they'll have around 500. Last year must have been a fluke year. No, they are at, they're starting to regress to the meet in a positive way. So I definitely will say that when it comes down to it, this was absolutely a must, and they did it. 
and hopefully they can re-sign him because of course they gave up a lot and so it just wouldn't make sense to to not keep him but it's just a matter of the money by that point Seattle did give a lot of money to Robbie Ray and, and you know you still have to think about paying Logan Gilbert at some point that's gonna get a little bit pricey for a smaller market team so that's gonna, and of course you have to think about Julio Rodriguez in which you you don't want him going anywhere so that's gonna get a little bit dicey but that's the future I don't want to talk about the future that much other than 2022 but the Mariners did really well here they had to do it I feel like and the Reds they didn't necessarily have to do it, but the fact that they didn't re-sign Trevor Bauer, didn't re-sign Nick Cassianos, you know, and they and and just the, you realize where they were going, and so you, they might as well just keep going that direction, not straddle fence and be neutral. They got a really good package and starting to rebuild their farm system, in which I do list them as a winner, and I'm going to say that towards the end because of that, right? It, 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 even though I don't like teams not going all in. If you know you're not going to win the World Series, in which did anyone have the Reds winning the World Series this year? Hell no. You might as well, rather than being all in, be all out. Not pay a lot of money and get cheap prospects when they are ready. You can have them for five, six years competing that whole time and getting some veterans down the road in which... You know the these these the Mariners know how to draft. They know how to develop. And now going to Cincinnati, it's their job to finish the job. So really good job by them. The Phillies acquire uh, defensive player, utility guy, Emono Sosa. So uh, the Cardinals get JoJo Romero. So just a swap of depth pieces. You know the Cardinals didn't really have a lot of playing time for Sosa and for the Phillies, who started to have a better bullpen. Didn't necessarily need Romero, who's for the most part uh, on the AAA team. This was definitely big. For the fact that it doesn't necessarily mean you have to play Gregorius now. does mean that you can, you know, bench Segura once in a while and and, and have him, Sosa play defense when it comes to later in games or just in general because the Phillies defense sucks. And I've always said that, but this is a move that addresses defense. So that was a little bit necessary, not the big move people were expecting, but there's more to come with that in case you don't know what the Phillies did. Now, the Dodgers and the Cubs here, they just swap, again, like, depth pieces. Not necessarily, like, more so this is, like, a fit. Chris Martin for Zach McKinstry. Nothing too much to say about here. You know, the Dodgers do get an important piece, and, and the Cubs maybe believe in McKinstry, but still nothing much to report there. Now, the Rays get Dare Peralta. This was kind of big for them, the fact that they do need a left-handed bat. They are so depleted with injuries this year. The fact that Shane Bays, you know, he's he might not even return for the rest of the season. Juan Franco, hopefully he can come back before the end of September. They, they definitely need some help right now, especially when... They've been to the playoffs. Why oh, Why would they give up when they do have an above uh, 500 record? They are in the thick of things with that third wild card spot. So I don't know why they would give up. And I would definitely say this is a nice move as of right now when they didn't really have to give up that much in just giving up a catcher prospect in which the DFS may never use him. So I do like the move right now for Tim. And that was really the biggest thing that they did, quite honestly. The Giants, this was just basically a temporarily... A temporary replacement. The fact that they didn't really have a shortstop, you know, and they were playing the Cubs. So, like, you know, I just cross over uh, to the field, uh, join the other dugout. Dixon Mixon goes to uh, the Giants from the Cubs, in which he started 
uh, Sunday Night Baseball. That that's Sunday right before the deadline, and he's going to just keep playing with them until Crawford gets uh, gets ready and ready to go. They they just are players' shortstops, and they're like, let's just make a quick deal just so we do have a competent shortstop playing against the Cubs tonight. Uh, so really nothing much there. The Rays get a, Jer- a Jeremy Walk from the Giants for Ford Proctor. So, you know, again, minor leaguers, not really too much to talk about there. Another minor leaguer, the Warriors acquire Anthony uh, Minsiewicz, in which he was designated for assignment. So you're going to definitely have a few of those out there that, you know, to, to just trying to see if they can squeeze any last bit of juice out of the player rather than, you know, having them be a free agent and competing with other teams. You might as well just trade them and see you know, what could you potentially get out of them for your roster and a nice depth piece if, in fact, it does work out. Like a Jonathan Villar, you know, almost like that, in which he signed with Seattle, by the way. Uh, the, the Braves acquire Javier Rosarena from the Nationals, portray Harris, Robinson Cano seems like his career is starting to, you know, falter and become over. The fact that he got designated for assignment as a result of this deal can't blame the Braves. I mean, you you need to have some depth. All these is still out. People are not even talking about the vet. The Braves are awesome, and they don't even have Ozzy Aubrey's. Think about last year; they were not so great. Acuna, you know, goes out, and then they started going uh, being great and won the World Series without Acuna. They're just a phenomenal organization. I love how they play the game, and they are forced to be reckoned with for years to come. And the fact that they have been able to do it without both of their guys has been absolutely incredible. So I definitely trust the moves in which they do. Uh, the Rays, very, very familiar with the Dodgers. They get Garrett Clevenger from the Dodgers for uh, for an outfield, minor league outfield. So this does help their depth when it comes to Tampa, you know, like a 40-man, maybe uh, on the active roster, possibly not, but just a nice depth. Uh, death piece in which the Dodgers didn't really have room for Clevenger. Uh, the Yankees do continue with their pursuit of trying to finally win championships. So not only did they get Benetton from the Royals, and again, let's see when it comes to uh, to, uh, when they have to go to Toronto, but they get Scott F. Uh, F. Ross from the Cubs, uh, and for, you know, like, like uh, their number seven prospects, so that's not nothing, but not really too much that they gave up. And he, he was amazing for the Cubs this year, you know, 28 years old, and they considered him a rookie, so that's kind of a little bit unfortunate for him that he started his career this late, but yeah, he's been really darn good for the Cubs, and you probably have not heard a lot about him, but you do have pitchers like that, where you do have a pitcher throwing pretty well, but there's just a whole lot of pitchers in this game, so uh, the Yankees getting yet another arm with Michael King going down for the whole season, so I definitely will say the Yankees yet again did another good move, and you're going to see where they are, I think they're obvious placement when it comes to win, losers, and neutral, or even actually not applicable, uh, th- then you have the Padres, oh my god, okay, wow, uh, I'm, I was... Blown away. This was really where I started to become blown away and realizing, oh, there's madness here. This is getting serious. Like, things are happening. And my head was like spinning. Like, I couldn't believe the names I was hearing getting traded because it's not easy when it comes to star players to agree after just a whole bunch of negotiations. Like, one team's like offering a lot, the other team's like, I can't go that far, you know, but I'm willing to offer this, and that name's Josh Hader, you know, and I'm just surprised that the, the Padres parted with Taylor Rogers, parted with uh, with, with uh, outfield Ruiz, Estuni Ruiz to be exact, Robert Gaser, and then Dilson with Med, he was good, but then unfortunately just injuries have 
derailed his career. And I had to, I had to admit, what a job by Milwaukee. Just the fact that it's been tailored. You know, is he going to get traded? Is he not? Rodgers is pretty darn good, and I'm not sure when it comes to years, but it's close to haters, and and definitely haters more expensive. So when it comes to a market like theirs, they can pay Rodgers less money and get similar production out of him. And, of course, then they get a good amount of depth with it. So I do really like this trade for Milwaukee, even though it is a tough swallow for them to trade Hayter. But the Padres, man, oh, my God. They can rely on him for not just an inning, but also two. They really solidify the back of the bullpen, in which Rodgers has been a little bit inconsistent, a little bit unpredictable. I mean, he's had a good season, but he also had a lot of save opportunities. So he could have had more saves, but he's also, and as a result, been blowing them. So I will say great job by both teams. But San Diego, you got to watch out for them. They are the real deal. And now you get to Houston. They made some pretty good trades on their own. So, you know, the Yankees did a few things. The Astros feel like, okay, we got to step up our game. They get Trey Mancini from Baltimore. They also get another lead pitcher. You know, the Rays get Jose Siri. You know, the Orioles get, like, uh, two prospects from Tampa Bay and then from Houston, so one from each team. So it was a three-team deal. But Mancini is really the big name here. And I'm going to talk about the Orioles uh, in further depth later. But when it comes to Mancini, this was such a great trade for the Astros because when it comes down to it, Mancini in fantasy is going to get a huge boost, right? He gets out of Camden Yards. The fact that he pulls the ball means that there's a lot of home runs he could have had, but because it's hitting that stand, it's actually not a home run. But in Minute Maid Park, they're going to be home runs. So I see his home run scan uptick. His first at-bat in his first start with the Astros was, in fact, a home run. So I expect a lot of production out of Mancini, especially with Yuri Gurriel not doing so well this season. He could play a little bit left. You could keep Alvarez at the DH, keep him healthy because I know he's bowed his share of injuries. It, you can have a little bit of flexibility, maybe move t- Tucker out to left a few times. So I definitely do like this for the Astros. And yet again, expect them to be in the race for the ALCS and possibly the World Series, even though we do not like them. You also have, of course, around the same time, maybe they reacted to the Astros, or maybe they're just like, you know what, let's just go all in. Let's just get every single big name as possible. And that is getting Frankie Matas and Lou Trevino. So not only did they boost their depth with the Cubs, but they also did it with the Athletics and then doing uh, doing that with their rotation with Montez. Montez is amazing. Okay, so if you have it in fantasy, huge boost for you because when it comes down to it, I understand Oakland is a pitcher's park. That's where Montez played. Yankee Stadium is not a hitter's park, and he's going to receive so much more offense. Like the run support that Oakland gave him was next to nothing and his win-loss record showed that so if you're in a league where it win and losses matter the Yankees are going to flip that upside down Montez is going to be a huge addition the Yankees are going to love him especially when Severino is out for a little bit and then like I said with Trevino you know just giving them more depth is Chapman still the same guys he's still working back to normal form who knows but this gives the Yankees a whole lot of depth and makes them stronger in places where I thought they were actually pretty decent at anyway. So there's nothing wrong with getting stronger, especially when you can never have enough pitching. And the prospects that, that the the A's got, pretty decent. You know, the game GPC has kind of like headlined it for me, but also they got 
uh, Luis Medea. They also, you know, got uh, their number five prospect. So it was a nice return, but at the same time, I, I, I felt like I, I wish the A's got a little bit better just because from what I saw with Castillo, it was a whole big thing. And Matas is pretty darn talented like Castillo, but I guess maybe to that, that level by executives. So it was still a nice job, though. But I got to get the Yankees the win here. Like, they yet again do something big. And it, it, it's going to pay off dividends. I will definitely tell you. You're going to see Matas and Trevino in October. No question about that. Now, a small deal here of just major leaguers. And again, this just has to do with fit. Uh, Emmanuel Rivera goes from the Royals to the D-backs for Luke Weaver. And which we all remember Luke Weaver in that Dancy Sausen trade. He's just, de- he's just dealt with a lot of injuries. And we'll see if, you know, the Royals can revive his career. But we'll see. Uh, th- now, this one was a head scratcher. The Red Sox getting Tommy Pham. You know, which we all know now for the other famous slap in which the slap her around world and the baseball community was definitely big. And with football season about to start, we do not condone slapping or violence of any kind, even though you may not be a fan of your league members or your rules. Still, do not slap people. Point is that with Tommy Fan, this was weird because the Red Sox are like, okay, so we're selling Vasquez, in which I haven't brought that deal up yet. We're selling Jake Diekman. But we're getting Tommy Pham. We're getting Eric Hosman, which I'm going to bring him up very shortly. This is weird. Like, I don't know what to take, what the Red Sox are, are doing. And I don't expect them to be a playoff team. So I'm like, why are you taking on salary? Why do you have to trade somebody? And which it says here, the Reds are going to get a player to be named later. So I'm like, it's not going to be a lot, especially when Pham is 34. But still. I, I don't know exactly what the Red Sox are thinking. I understand they want to win now with Devers and Bogarts and Story. Story's hurt, but still, you also have Verdugo. You also have, you know, Chris Sale's injured, but you have win-now guys. And you probably just don't want to tell them, hey, yeah, we're not trying to win right now. So I understand trying to strive offense, but that's never a good strategy in baseball. You have to choose. Either you're going all in or you're going all out. And unfortunately, they chose neither. And it's just like... I don't know exactly what they're doing. And their fan base is probably a little bit uh, weirded out and, and don't know exactly how to take that. Which they're, or they're great fans, but they, they don't know how to view the Red Sox. And now with the Patriots starting, they're going to definitely you know veer away from the Red Sox. And which, speaking of Jake Diemen, didn't bring up the deal, but they essentially get Reese McGuire from the Red Sox for Jake Diemen, in which I didn't discuss, you know, Christian Vasquez, but he gets traded to Houston. The fact that, you know, Martin... Uh, Martin uh, Maldonado was there, and now he could be the backup instead of the starter. In which, you know, the Red Sox get Emmanuel Vasquez and Will uh, Willer Abreu, to which not like they were like the 28, 29 best prospects for Houston. All of this, by the way, is presented the help of MajorLeagueBaseball.com. Definitely a great website, and I think probably one of the better websites in comparison to all the four major sports. But still, Vasquez goes to Houston, boasting their depth and providing them a nice presence, especially when he's been to the playoffs before, one of the longest tender Red Sox of this, you know, current, like, five, six-year span. Definitely a nice get for them. And yet again, watch out for Astros-Yankees playoff near you very shortly. Cardinals, they get Jose Quintana. They get Chris Stratton within the division from the Pirates. And with within, you know, get a trade away, um, Overado and Nunez, not like the 
great as a process, but the fact of the matter is that they they were going to to walk. I mean, at least Quintana was going to walk, and Stratton had a year or two left. At least Pittsburgh got something, and we all knew they're rebuilding. Hopefully, it can they can start to pick up momentum, maybe accelerate it next year, just kind of like what the Orioles have been doing this entire season. So, but when it comes to I didn't give the fans the impact of Vasquez. Vasquez should get a little bit of a, of an impact playing with a better and more consistent offensive team. And when it comes to Tommy Fan, don't worry about him. And then when it comes to what, what the player that I'm talking about now, Jose Quintana, definitely pick him up because you're dealing with a similar ballpark. I know PNC is kind of favored with with pitchers, but he's dealing with a better team. So when it comes to win loss record, he's definitely way better. The fact that Pittsburgh doesn't really give a whole lot of uh, run support or probably defense. The Cardinals are definitely one of the greatest defensive teams in baseball right now. So Quintana should get like thumbs up everywhere. And I definitely do suggest get him, trade for him, don't drop him, whichever one that you have. Uh, now let's stay within the division. The Brewers get Matt Bush. Not uh, Bush, you know, and it just you know, Bush did not sponsor this, this episode, but still, you know, they just trade away two players, one infielder, uh, one lead pitcher. In which it's a nice job by Matt Bush trying to re- revitalizing his career and can definitely help a contender now. So it's it's a nice pickup. It's cute, you know, nothing too big, but definitely nice job. Milwaukee's still uh, still picking up some depth. Especially when they're probably not too confident with just Devin Williams and Taylor Rogers. Uh, the Braves get Robbie Grossman for a minor leaguer. You know, just again when it comes to depth, the fact that Duvall's out for the season, and you never know with Acuna, so might as well just provide some insurance there. You also have Sandy Leone for Ian Hamilton, both of which again just depth pieces. You know, like okay, you have a lot of this position, I have a lot of this position. Let's just flip flop it. You know, and that should definitely help both sides. Even though the they are within the division, in which that's Twins getting Leon and Cleveland getting Ian Hamilton. Uh, the Pirates they get Jeremy Beasley. The fact that he was DFA or he was about to be. Either way, the Pirates just they can gamble on someone and experiment, see what he can give them. Uh, Austin Allen. From the uh, uh, from the athletics to the Cardinals, really nothing much there. Kind of like almost a similar deal. So after the Cardinals did that, they trade Ray Romine to the Reds, in which again nothing much there. And again, speaking of catchers, Royals getting Brett Roker for Cam Gallagher. Yet again, you know much ado about nothing. I mean, let's try to pick up some steam here a little bit and try to get some uh, bigger deals here. In in which the Mets getting Michael Givens is definitely not nothing. Uh, they definitely solidify their bullpen even more. So especially when they had to give up Holderman, they don't give up a lot to the Cubs, uh, and it should definitely provide some depth for this year. So that's definitely again it, when it comes to Degrom or Scherzer getting into some trouble, you have a little bit more stability, not just Lugo, not just Diaz, but also now Givens to get get you all the way to that ninth inning with the lead, especially when in Otto you don't want to tie up that game. Otherwise, it's a brand new ball game, and the momentum has shifted to your opponent. So that's definitely very important for any team to address, and the Mets did that right there by getting Givens. The Blue Jays, they get Mitch White, which basically is just a depth piece. Alex DeJesus, which is, you know, like a prospect piece. And then they trade away two prospects, in which it's really nothing big, you know, other than Mitch White. The Dodgers didn't have room for him. I like him, but still, like I said, nothing much there. Uh, Mariners get Jake Lamb from the Dodgers. Who is you know has 
kind of come back a little bit, but it gives the Mariners a little bit of like, you know what, if something were to happen, we have you on our 40-man roster, but we don't need you right now, so uh, we'll we'll see if uh, if he comes back and provides them a little bit of stability when an injury may happen or something like that. But I, unfortunately, Brett Phillips no longer with Tampa Bay. He gets traded to the Orioles because he was designated for assignment after Peralta got traded there, in which he's a great guy, great defender, just not a great hitter, it seems like. But I do love Brett Phillips. I don't, I've definitely loved you know his impact on kids when it comes to this game and very just happy to see him being happy and energetic and positive. I, I saw what he said that it would be freaking awesome for the Orioles to win a World Series. And I would love that too. You know, so definitely at least try, right? And hopefully he can stay on there next year because I know he's vibrant. It can definitely be a leader. Definitely be good for that locker room, especially when you lose a leader like Tramancy, in which he was beloved in that locker room. And also even, you know, across uh, across baseball. So that's definitely a big loss and Brian Phillips might help small uh, shorten that gap a little bit. But then I brought up when it comes to the Brewers with, with Matt Bush, they get Trevor Roosevelt, who's who's hurt right now, but the Brewers are trying to figure out, you know, like, okay, let's let's haters lost, but let's do it in quantity, not just quality. Roosevelt, they're gonna see if they can revitalize his career after going I'm not sure about Tommy John, but some surgery. So definitely not a huge deal there, but still could provide them with a lot of like good innings if in fact he is healthy the Mariners get some depth with Kirk Casale Matthew Boyd from the Giants in which they're kind of selling but again kind of straddling the fence so I'm going to address that in just a few minutes but the Braves and Astros they strop they swap <laughs> I can't even talk right now I, I just love it love all these deals going on small or big doesn't matter but Drake Odorizzi to the Braves the Astros get Will Smith, and it's just like the Braves, you know, have too many good relief pitchers, A.J. Minter, Kenley Jansen. They also got uh, someone from the Angels, and then the uh, the Astros are like, we have six starters. So this is a great fantasy impact in just the fact that the Houston pitchers, starting pitchers like Verlander and Javier, McCullers might be coming back very shortly, Uquiti. They go from a six-man to a five-man, which means more starts for everybody. Odorizzi's going to, you know, might be a swing man. He might, you know, provide them um, the fifth man. He he might be very valuable for the Braves, depending on how well he pitches because he has been injured this year. And then when it comes to Will Smith, I still expect him seeing him get some save opportunities here and there, but most of he will be a setup or hold sky, which that's still very important. So very nice swap there, and that definitely makes sense for both teams. But I will say here that the Twins, now we're on the last day here, August 2nd, they're about to make some noise, and they did they trade away four prospects, nothing huge, but they get Jorge Lopez from the Orioles, in which, great job, he's a closer, he did close, it. He, he saved his first uh, opportunity uh, when he in his debut, and this is just they they need to address the bullpen, and they also need to address um, the starting pitcher in which they they did do that with Talamale. I'll get to that. So I just I just love everything that they that they did. They're going all in. Carlos Correa that signing, and it's just like why not? You know if you, if you're right there in the division, why not? Like don't even don't even think about the wild card. Let's just win it and let's get over this hump. Not just making the playoffs, but actually winning a series because we haven't done that in a long time. So this definitely helps. That. And you need stability. You need depth. You don't want any question marks or any lack of confidence in the bullpen. And this definitely solidifies that. 
And then again, with the Blue Jays, they get a lot of depth from the Marlins. They trade away a t- actually a, like a top 100 prospect in Jordan Groshans, in which he's MLB's 80, 82nd prospect. He goes to uh, Miami for Anthony Bass and Zach Pop, in which they're having pretty nice seasons this year. And one, I think both are in control, um, not just this season, but next year. So a really nice deal for the Blue Jays. You solidify that bullpen, kind of like the same logic I just talked about for Minnesota. And then the Mets, you know, just swapping uh, like two power hitters, Darren Ruff for J.D. Davis. Then the, the Mets also trade away, you know, some uh, for, like one one guy was a former top prospect, but it's really just minor leaguers here. The Giants, again, you know, straddling that fence a little bit. But still, I definitely will say what a nice job by the Mets to solidify their depth in which, again, it's very important. Injuries happen. The dog days are happening. Fatigue happens. And you want players to give you production no matter what their name is, what their jersey number is. You you want whoever's on that field to give you production, but you don't want it to become the same player because then you're just risking injury. So really nice job. And that does matter. And it should, it, it should be recognized that, you know, the Mets, even though they didn't do anything big, DeGrom was trade addition in a way, so they really didn't feel like they had to do a lot there. Then the Phillies start now to, get, to starting to, to get involved. They get Brandon Marsh from the Angels for Logan Hopper, which I don't understand why they gave up one of their top prospects for a player in which I don't see him as that great. You know, he can hit on top of the lineup and be that kind of like that guy, that void. Great defensive center field, but you don't have to give up, you know, the 88th, best prospect MLB. Maybe it's because they also got Syndergaard in a separate deal and then maybe they just felt bad or they knew possibly that was going to be in the works. But either way, not the best deal like separately, but the Phillies still did what they had to do and they got a seventh feeling, which that's definitely what they needed. And speaking of what they need, I just talked about the Twins and Lopez. They also get Michael Fulmer from the Tigers within the division. So they got... Not only Lopez, but also Fulmer. That's definitely what they need. And definitely as a twin so you can feel more confident in your bullpen. And not just, we need six or seven innings from Joe Ryan tonight. Which that's probably not going to happen. And you should want to lessen his innings before you know you can let him off the hook next year. Before we get into the big Padres trade, which I didn't even discuss it yet. Brandon Drury goes from the Reds to the Padres. He hits a grand slam in his first at-bat. You know, welcome to Slam Diego. And I love it. I, I am all in on the Padres. I mean, I wanted to last year. They disappointed me with some injuries. They disappointed me with some frustration. They do fire the manager. Now it's all under Bob Melvin. And everyone everything's going well. And everything's with roses. And Brandon Drury definitely helps out not just depth but also versatility. And it's kind of like a lost art these days. You know, Ben Zobis, like, player, he can also play the outfield. And it's just like he could be so valuable for a team, even though you're not going to see him at, at a single position each day. So, And he's a power bat. He it does lose some value going from Cincinnati to San Diego. But still, I do love this pickup by the project. And it should still be okay for fantasy owners. And when it comes to... Marsh, fantasy-wise, nothing too much to worry about there because he's not that great in fantasy. Jorge Lopez, I'll still keep him. Might lose an opportunity or two compared to when when he was in Baltimore. Hold on to him. Michael Fulmer, he wasn't picking up saves. He was getting holds. I still expect that a little bit. 
but also you know that could still go to Duran in which he is, has been amazing this year. So I maybe I'll drop former, but still I I, I, I do like him, uh, like him the fact that he's going to have more opportunities to get saved because you're dealing with a winning team rather than one of the worst teams of baseball with the Tigers. The Phillies are not done. They get David Robinson from the Cubs. So welcome back, David Robinson. You know Ben Brown might be a good get for the Cubs. Really might be, and you know so they they do have him for this year and unfortunately it's just this year but still he this bullpen's pretty darn good and maybe it's not great you know and it does depend on how they performed but david robinson is going to be something and he got his first save in atlanta that's a big deal so i do really like so far what the phillies are doing and they're not done we all know that they're not done they also have one more big name that i haven't said yet but the phillies at least by doing something because i was talking to a co-worker and she's like, ah, you know, I don't really expect them to do too much. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't expect them to do too much either. The fact that you don't want to give up the top prospects, you know, what are you gonna really going to get? They actually got something, and it's pretty good, really good. So I do give them credit, and you're going to see where they fall. Cardinals and the Yankees, they swap. You know, Harrison Bader, they have a surplus of outfielders, but they need pitching, so the Yankees trade away Jordan Montgomery. The fact that they have Montas in there already, really nice deal for both teams, really necessary, and again, surpluses on both sides, so this just made sense, and I do love now that the Yankees' defense has gotten better, the Cardinals' is depth in the rotation. Now they don't necessarily need Dakota Hudson or Andre Pallott, so I do really love both teams, and they definitely get a boost in terms of their chances of where they are in terms of the seeding in the, in the playoff hunt. The Blue Jays, this is a little bit of a head-scratcher. They trade away Mass Castillo. They trade away Summit Taylor, in which, not like the greatest of prospects, but they get an unvaccinated player in Whit Merrifield, in which, is he going to get the vaccine? You know, that is a huge deal. The fact that they were, uh, the, the Royals played in Toronto, one of the 10, and it was a huge deal. You know, the restricted list and whatever was massive. And... He was, he was basically criticized because he gave an honest answer and like, I'm not sure if I would do it for a bad team, but possibly I would for a good team. Now he's got decisions to make. So is it going to be a Kyrie Irving situation where he just plays half the games? What about with the playoffs, you know? So we're going to have to keep track of Whit Merrifield. He's having a down season, but he could be a big addition if he gets things to put, be put back together. And there's no doubt in my mind, I do love this move by the Blue Jays, but he has to get vaccinated. Like, if he's not, then I don't know exactly what their thought process was. Maybe other than just the discount. You know, not giving that big of a uh, return to Kansas City because, you you know, you don't want to give up the farm, especially for someone who's 33 years old. But he's still a really good player, and he could still steal bases and, you know, get hits and get lead off. He could basically be Marcus Seaman without the power. You know, like, Espinal, I like, but this is definitely an upgrade, and he's versatile. So you could give Springer a few more days off or not necessarily have to play Tapia in there. So I really do like this move, but we'll see. all depends on that one question mark. And then, like I said, with the Braves, they get Rossiel Iglesias. Now, unfortunately, this hurts him. This is the, the worst of uh, the fantasy impacts, I'm going to say. He was a closer. Now he's going to be a setup man. So if you're in holds or uh, saves situation, it might be okay. But if it's just saves, then Iglesias is not worth tender because Kenley Jansen's there. Uh, but again, really nice move by the Braves, getting you know solidifying the back end of their bullpen. And he is really good, and he's been good with the Angels this past year. They don't have, they don't give up too much in Tucker Davidson, Jesse Chavez, in which the Angels could use them, especially Davidson, in which could they 
untap his potential because I definitely did see some good things out of him, whether it was that last year or the year before. But still, good move by both teams, especially for the Angels in getting rid of that contract in which it was a lot of money for a closer. Now the Braves had to take that on. And also, you know, Jansen only getting one year. Maybe it's Iglesias that could be uh, the closer next year and Jansen going to the free market. We'll see. So that could definitely be a nice underrated aspect of this deal. It's, and I forgot about Wick Merrifield with fantasy. Again, it just really all comes down to that impact. But he does go into a better offense and could score a lot more, get more RBIs, in which that's, you know, counting stats that we do care about, in which, you know, Kansas City is not going to really do that for him and hasn't really done that for him. Uh, and, and I might as well continue on with the Angels. The Phillies, this is their last move. They get Thor. Now he gets... Back in the same division where he's familiar with, he's going to play against the Mets at some point. That's going to be very interesting, and I'm going to be watching. Uh, but they trade for Syndergaard. They trade away Moniak, Jodel Sanchez, in which, hey, man, you know, they're not that great. And you take on Thor as a rental, why not? And he's definitely better than Bailey Falter. You, one could argue better than Gibson. Not the same player. The that The velocity has gone down. But still, what a heck of a move and a trade deadline given what they wanted to do. They want to get better but not having to give up that many top of their prospects, and they didn't. So really nice job by the Phillies, and this definitely was the icing on the cake, getting Noah Syndergaard right before the deadline ended. And then the Angels, you know, see what you could do with Moniak. I kind of see the Angels and Phillies as similar teams. So definitely with Moniak, hopefully they can develop and untap whatever is missing in him but he remember he was a number one overall pick still hasn't put it together i doubt it and it's really unfortunate but i doubt that he's going to get better again brandon marsh top prospect you know he gets traded away really for not a lot uh you also have joe adele only hits well in the minors not in the majors why is that i do blame the angels for all that so i i definitely highly doubt that they are going to do anything with moniac there and then with, with talamale the twins trade for yet another pitcher the reds do yet again another great job getting good prospects in which this is a rebuilding year for them nobody came in thinking otherwise and it just solidifies the rotation which it was definitely weak you know dylan bundy really chris archer really like what is this 2015 they are definitely nice five or six man in a rotation, but you're, we're talking about top-end talent here, and Malley could definitely be that, so really good job by the Twins, and when it comes to Malley, he's going to get more run support, he gets out of the hitter's park, it's absolutely phenomenal for him, and definitely he gets a big stock up when it comes to his value, in which I would definitely pick him up, trade for him, you know, or trade high on him if you don't believe he's going to just perform well in Minnesota. But still, what a heck of a move and what a trade deadline by the Twins. And I didn't even talk about Syndergaard when it comes to fantasy. I don't trust him. He goes into a hitter's park now. But still, he could have a little bit of revenge. And he knows the Braves. He knows the Marlins and Nationals and Mets very well. So that could be used as an advantage. But still, he's not the same pitcher. So I would say his stock's a little down. But I just don't trust him this year. I just don't. The Red Sox, again, I talked about Eric Hosmer, why they're getting him. They get two prospects in cash. You know, the uh, the, the wrestlers get rid of Jake Groom, in which at one point he was a top prospect for them, but definitely just hasn't panned out for them. I, I just don't know. I don't I don't know what uh, the Red Sox were thinking this offseason. I know they have had issues at first base with Dahlback and also Cordero, you know, not being the solution there. They're, they're competing 
but not necessarily going all in. And that's just, I don't think the fan base would take this well. And I understand they don't pay Hosman that much money. I, I just don't exactly like this deal for the Red Sox because I thought they were going to be sellers. You know, they had pieces to sell. Bogarts is about to become a free agent, in which then, you know, you can get off of the contract, get off his bad defense, but instead they kind of almost single down. You know, they're not even doubling down. So I just don't like what the Red Sox did, and I'm probably not the only one there. And the Padres getting rid of that contract, absolutely amazing, in which I know we haven't talked about so yet, but we're about to in just one second. And the fact that they don't need a first baseman, and it's just, you know, why then keep all this money when you probably have to pay Soto, the fact that you are already paying Machado and Tatis massive money. Speaking of players to, to get rid of, not necessarily for contract reasons because this guy was actually pretty cheap, but Joey Gallo finally gets out of New York. Like, people did not like this guy. And you know what? I actually thought he might go to the Phillies because he might not hit, but at least he plays defense, right? Nick Castellanos, I'm talking to you. You're not doing either. At least Schwarber's hitting, you know? But both of you don't provide defense. Or Herrera, in which he did nothing uh, in center field for the most part, and he gets designated for assignment, so this familiar, finally. But still, you know, Gallo... I feel it can be a big piece and could potentially, you know, switch a gear in the gut Dodgers a little bit. Monksy has been struggling. I know Turner has just been put on the IL. You know, Lux has been doing pretty decently. But when it comes to the Dodgers that have been rather struggling, like Cody Belger is also another example, I definitely think that he could definitely spark in it. Like, oh, you know what? We're, we're not going to stay stagnated. We're going to get a little bit better because this guy can definitely do some damage. And like I said, he's a good defender. So the Dodgers really don't pay that much. And the Yankees are like, we already have Ben attendee. You know, we don't necessarily need him. So it's just like, why why do we need to keep him? You don't. And great job by, you know, the Dodgers by buying low. And I definitely would have as well. And lastly, but not least, the Padres. Oh, my, my, oh my, they get Juan Soto, they get Josh Bell from the Nationals, specifically for Luke Voigt, for Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, both of which were considered top prospects, I know Gore graduated, Abrams is still technically part of that, of that core, great, great players right there, and they are they tested they they tasted the majors a little bit. I know Gore's hurt right now, but definitely that is the biggest part of this trade. Gore and Abrams. But then you get now definitely prospects who have not who are not close to the majors yet, but still have a lot of promise in Robert Hassel the third, James Wood, and John Souza, in which oh my god, the the, the Nationals did what they told everyone they wanted to do. They wanted to get a haul. They that they did. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you took Josh Bell out that you know that this deal could still get done maybe you take Lou Voigt out of it but still what a haul and what a job by the Padres saying you know what we trust ourselves that we're going to draft we're going to develop and we're going to just we're going to continue this process even after this trade and they're like even though we do lose a lot today we're going to gain a little bit tomorrow while having Soto and Bell on our team right now, accumulating wins because we have Tatis on this roster. We have Machado on this roster. We have Musgrove and Darvish and Blake Snell and Sean Manaya. Jarrison Profar, a heck of a year from him. Just an unbelievable trade. One of the massive trades in LB history. And, it, and it, it's so funny that I say that because last year people were saying that with Max Scherzer and Trey Turner going to the Dodgers, right? In which then, you know, Josiah Gray and Kerber Ruiz 
go to the Nationals, in which I still can't believe it. Two years in a row, you have the same team trading two star players away in back-to-back years. Like, it's unprecedented. It really is. The Nationals just won the World Series with Soto, with uh, with Scherzer and Turner. Josh Bell came there afterwards, and then they trade them away, and they get a massive haul. So even though it's a little bit disappointing that they didn't go back to the playoffs and make a deep run after winning that World Series, at least they are rebuilding in such a way that's going to be extensive. It's It's going to be... I think successful and it's going to rock baseball like people are going to say you know what after we win a world series let's try but if it doesn't happen let's just get a haul before it's too late and these guys leave when it comes to you know free agents and and contract extensions and negotiations and again I don't necessarily blame Soto I really don't I, I people are like oh he almost turned down half a billion dollars how could you possibly say that statement well look at the average annual value you know and that's just not what they're going for and he wants trout money. He wants to get paid at least 36. He got paid at least uh, 29. So that's just not, uh, to him, that's a big enough gap to say no. And I get it. I do uh, for the argument of like he's getting paid so much money. But at the same time, now he gets be- he gets put in a winning situation and he might just get paid, in which I don't know how the Padres are going to do it, but they're going to find a way. I really do trust the Padres now. I love the Padres. And they seem electric. They seem awoken, you know? And, and even though they're having a great season, not that much have been talked about the Padres because Tatis has been out the whole time. So I really, I'm, I, this was this was jaw dropping, and and this is what makes me love trading in general. It makes me love being a general manager. If I am one in fantasy or in real life, like this, this is the heart of it. You know, blockbuster trades, and there were a lot of them. Okay, and the and most of them blew my mind, but this one blew my mind the most, and probably most people, we heard like, oh, he's likely to, but probably not, I actually thought he was going to stay, I honestly did, but I, uh, but I was wrong, I was dead wrong, and the Padres got him, and I'm happy now that you're going to have a, a dogfight between the Dodgers and the Padres, in which we always like the Padres, uh, the, the Dodgers and the Giants, but the Giants are not there right now, so I really do love that this is great for baseball, in terms of just right now, even though long term you're like, oh, you're gonna just have these teams sell, and you're you're not gonna have these players be in the same place for for, for uh, in one place for a long time. That does hurt, and that will become more of a story, but not right now because we're in the moment. So that's definitely someone else to keep track of. But let me just recap everything, okay? Let me give you. My winners and losers. So that's essentially every deal, big or small, in which, again, I didn't really run down all the small stuff. But even so, you know, minor leaguers, like, there's, that that can happen, you know, at any given time, right? Like, that's rather simple. Uh, when it comes to rebuilding, okay, I give the Nationals and the Reds a whole lot of credit for rebuilding the farm system. Like, if you check out the 2025 Nationals, MLB.com has it. You have a 26-year-old Kerber Ruiz, a 23-year-old Robert Hassan III, 22-year-old James Wood, only 24 years old C.J. Abrams, 22-year-old Brady House, and doesn't even say anything about Josiah Gray, Gore, Kate Cavalli, which is in their system, Cole Henry, Jackson Rutledge, both of which were probably drafted, possibly Strasburg for one more season. Corbin's contract expires, Strasburg almost, but 2025 is going to be a hell of a year when it comes to this team. So I, they're going to, it's going to be a while. This is going to be about developing, but I do love these players, and and they're going to be 
young and they're going to be energetic. They're going to be fun to watch. The 2025 Nationals or even 2024 doesn't matter. Hell of a job by them to recover from a generational talent. But now you turn it into volume in which, you know, that's how you field a team. That's how you field a roster, not just one player, but multiple. And the Reds, like I said, they literally had nothing and took advantage of the Mariners' offer, took advantage of, you know, trading away Molly and Drury among, and Tommy Pham, whoever they get, among other players. They had to, and I felt like they had a nice return in doing that. And when it comes to the Phillies and the Twins, I expect them not really to do much, so I'm happy that they did something. And again, I give the Twins a whole lot of credit. I feel like they did better than the Phillies. They got all pitchers. They need pitching. I really like their lineup still. The Phillies, you know, they got two pitchers and uh, a starting center fielder. But they did something. And I'm happy. I'm going to give them credit. They're a winner because of it. When it comes to the Orioles, they did kind of sell. And it's disappointing. They have an above 500 record. They're in the thick of things in that last wild card spot. But when it comes down to it, Mm-mm-mm. They stuck to their timeline. They stuck to their plan, and they traded away two guys, in which just does not fit with them right now. And I give them a whole lot of credit. That's not easy to do. I understand you could cave, and you know you could get some guys and possibly not play the players, and you're like, oh, that was kind of dumb. Sell and try again next year because it's not like you're going to win a World Series this year. It, you're not. So I really do appreciate the Orioles for what they did, and baseball should take note that they're winning, but also preparing for the future because they're not—they're not ready. They're very young. This team—they're not going to win right now. So very happy for the Orioles. They are a winner, even though they sold in the midst of a, a winning season. And hopefully they—they they keep it up. They could definitely make uh, make September very interesting for those that are trying to make that last wild card spot. Now, when it comes to teams that just flat out got better, right? I expect them to do something. Teams that already were good anyway, but not satisfied with their rosters. That would be the Astros, and they definitely got better. The Braves, the Mariners, the Cardinals, and the Blue Jays. So applaud them. I expect them to. They definitely did, and they did not disappoint me, and probably did not disappoint their fan base, and especially the Astros. I could definitely put them in the next category, but significantly would be hard to say because the Yankees got significantly better the Padres got significantly better and actually before we even make my prediction I'm I'm tempted to say that these two teams are going to meet in the World Series in which that would be a rematch forget what World Series it was with Tony Gwynn but that would be a rematch I think of the 2000 World Series in which you know the Padres got sweat so that would be awesome if that were to happen and I want that to happen in which I want the Padres to win I mean I don't think they have one in their franchise and then the, and the Yankees to you know come so close but then you know lose would also be fulfilling still they get way better with their additions with Matas Benatendi uh the you know the Trevino don't forget Efros don't forget and I'm and I'm and, and Harrison Bader he's hurt right now but he will play some amazing t- defense out there in center and then with the Padres you know like tch, come on Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Brandon Drury, Josh Hader. Like, it's just unbelievable what, what they did right there. Both of them combined. Uh, when it comes to neutral, you know, teams that maybe got a little bit better or a little bit worse or just stayed a little bit in the middle, not like too much game-changing. The Brewers, that they traded away Josh Hader, but they got some volume back in return and also helped the bullpen a little bit, but not like too much because Hader was a big loss. The Dodgers didn't really only make that Joey Gallo move. That's it. So, like, you know, they really didn't need to. They are ahead in their division by, like, a lot of games, so they didn't really need to do anything. The Tigers, they only made the one deal. Not a lot of deals there, but 
you know, they're firm, firmly in the rebuild and not a lot of trade assets to trade other than Fulmer and possibly someone else who they probably just decide to keep for next season to possibly trade then. The Marlins, they did make that one deal, but decided to hold on to Lopez, decided to hold on to their other assets. I do like that. Try to go ahead, see where they can go, and possibly figure out in the all season or try again next year. But you got to get better in terms of who you sign because who you signed this past offseason is not panning out for you. Like, not even close. Comes to the Mets, like I said, they improved their depth, but you know, nothing too significant to warrant a winner or a loser in the judgment. And I will definitely say this uh, I didn't talk about Hosmer in terms of fantasy impact. I do think, you know, going from a pitcher's park to a hitter's park is kind of obvious. Luke Voigt, same thing. I mean, it's not like Nationals Park is a hitter's park, but still, it's definitely not a pitcher's park, so definitely a good impact for him there. For Soto, he goes to a pitcher's park, but, you know, he's Juan Soto. He's going to figure out how to get you points or get you those categories. Josh Bell probably takes a big hit. And like I said, with Drury, you know, he's going to, he, he's going to be versatile, so he could definitely help you out uh, in that way. But again, with Josh Bell, not so sure. Uh, I do think he gets a little bit of a knockdown, but still, if he keeps up with the batting average and he's going to score, get some RBIs, I think he can help you in other ways that not that's not just home runs. And then with with Gore and Abrams, more so for Dynasty, I don't think they're going to really do too much this season. So I know Gore was a big contributor in the in May, a little bit in June, and then he's fallen off. But still, I do really like Gore, and I would definitely more so hold on to him. For next year and also some of the prospects in which they got in dynasty leagues or keeper leagues but not necessarily redraft leagues uh when it comes to losers okay just want and then we're going to wrap up you got the giants and the red sox are straddling the fence right i already talked about the red sox like i don't know exactly why they brought in a few guys they traded away vasquez um and they bring in time fan and haas where i'm like what are you exactly trying to do you know like are you going all in are you not and I feel like they should not have because it's with the Orioles, you know, they, they definitely made things more complex. So I'm like, you shouldn't, you don't need to go all in. You're not like you're in the middle. You're not going to go that far. Sales hurt again. So I don't know why they decided to get a few pieces. I, I just felt like they straddled the fence too much and, and, and not making a clear cut decision and going along with it and going full head of steam with it. So I definitely do see them as a loser. And then the Giants, they could have traded with Jock Pierce, and they didn't. Could have traded uh, uh, Carlos Rodon, they didn't. So I'm like, I, I are, are they trying to win? Because I get it. But then if they don't win, they could potentially lose both players, the fact that they signed one-year deals with the Giants. So I do see that as a big risk. And it's really unfortunate if that happens. We do like what happened to them last year but i do see it as a fluke year i really do and there's going to be some major changes if in fact they don't make the playoffs especially if it's under uh, 500 i think gabe staying but a lot of the players are going to be going so definitely look out for the giants as to massive changes on the way for them the fact that they're just not meeting expectations the fact that they won 107 games last year in the, in the division uh the rays all they did was just get peralta you know i understand they're going to get a lot of guys healthy again the fact that they're injured right now but still like i felt like for a team that should be in win now mode the fact that you know they're, they're very much close enough and they're getting a lot of production from guys like diaz and also if randy rosen is starting to come around a little bit and even g-man Choi once in a while and their, their pitchers have been stable for the most part so i'm like why not 
you know, and all they did was Paratha. So I felt like just one, one key addition. Yeah, I gotta knock you down for for that. Uh, you also have the Rockies. They literally did nothing. The only team that did uh, did not do a trade was the Rockies, and they they signed Brent, uh, uh, Daniel Bard to an extension. Why? I just did not understand that. I don't know what they were thinking. But hey, you know, if, if you're a dumb organization, keep being dumb. Uh, that's fine. I, no one's blaming you for it. But yeah, no one, no one thinks you're going to win a championship at least in the next decade. Like I know that for a fact. It's not going to be with Bryant, and you, you don't have the great farm system. So really unfortunate with them and their fan base. But they got to keep on winning because they're dealing with some dumb people out there. Uh, when it comes to the Rangers and the Cubs, they kept too many players. The fact that you know Martin Perez having a hell of a season. They decide to keep him. Why? Oh, because he might help us try to win next year. Yeah, I think this is his best season of his career, and he's going to fall falter next year if you really think it's going to happen twice. So I do think that's a bad decision right there, not capitalizing why you could. You also have Matt Moore, kind of like the same kind of deal as a relief pitcher. It's more likely as a relief pitcher than a starter to, to replicate success, but still. I do think the Rangers should have done more. They're not They're not going to go to the playoffs this year. I know that for a fact. And even if they did, they're not going to go far. So might as well replenish a little bit of that capital. And they didn't. So I miss, I felt like they missed out on an opportunity there. And then the Cubs, I just didn't understand. Wilson Contreras is about to become a free agent, and you decide to hold on to him. Maybe you do sign him. Maybe he can become the future. But him and Hap should have been traded. They kept him, and I just did not understand that for a team that is clearly rebuilding and does not – seem ready to contend even with Strowman and Suzuki and Hendricks and um you know they have a few they have some good guys there and, and veterans, you know, like I just mentioned, but they're not they're not gonna win next year. So you might as well instead of like saying, you know what, maybe we can win next year, just push it off until at least twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five, in which then you might as well get prospects in return and start developing them in your system right now. Uh, and then just lastly, you know, you have the Angels, the Royals, the A's. And the A's actually kept Sean Murphy and Paul Blackburn. They should try to trade them because Blackburn, pretty nice season. He's been faltering. He's been really bad. So you should trade him before that happened. Sean Murphy should trade him, you know, before he started getting cold. He had a red-hot April, but they decided to keep them. And... You know, I thought there was a chance that they were going to trade him, get some prospects, but they are just a triple A team, and which they could have been a double A team with some more of, a, of an upside future. But no, they, they they didn't get that much in return. But all three teams, and then the A's decided to keep players in which maybe they could trade in, in the off season. But still, I'm just like you should trade them now, and it's and it's too late. Now you have not applicable. In terms of the D-backs, the White Sox, the Pirates, and the Guardians, just not doing a whole lot in which you could argue they didn't really need to, or the trades that they did was just minor that it's just it doesn't really apply to have them as a winner or a loser. So those are the main, those are all the teams right there when it comes to winners, losers, neutral or not applicable. Those are the recap of the trade deadline as I try to explain as quickly as possible to you to y'all. And then my prediction. You know, you have the Yankees right now. You have the Twins and the Astros as the division leader. I think that stays. 
I'm not sure what the, the gap is going to be, but the Astros, you know, that's a wide gap. The Yankees, that's a wide gap. The Twins are going to widen their gap because of their additions. And the White Sox just keep getting injured. I feel like this is just not their season. So I do think that the Twins are going to win their division. And, of course, I think it's a lock array that the Yankees and Astros will. When it comes to the NL, I think it's a lock that the Mets and the Dodgers are going to win their division. They have pretty nice leads. And, you know, I don't see the teams like the Braves catching up to them even though they're within striking distance and the Dodgers when it comes to the Padres just too many games behind even though they did massive trades uh, the NL Central will come down to the wire and I will bring this up because when it comes to the three wildcard spots I will have the Padres in the first wildcard spot the Braves is the second whoever loses that NL Central will be that third wildcard spot so unfortunately I think the Phillies are going to miss out here and, and I just feel like they're going to be a game or two out of the playoff spot in which it's nothing wrong. They did what they needed to do, but I just feel like bad teams, bad organizations find ways to lose. And you know how NOLA is in September. You know how they choke sometimes in September. I know that the, that the Cardinals won a whole lot of games in a row last year. This is a very much experienced team. They, they, they kept down to the core. They know each other very well. The Phillies are going through different players, and, and they you just brought in new ones. The locker room, the lack of leadership, I just trust the Cardinals or the Brewers more than the Phillies, and that's why I have the Phillies missing the playoffs for yet another season, in which I really want you guys to go. I do. But I have to go with my gut, and you just have not been good at September. So I, you fool me once, that's fine. But fool me again, and I, and I'm not I'm I'm not going to this year. And I may be wrong about that, but still I don't think so. And then when it comes to the AL wild card, because I just talked about the NL in one false swoop right there. So like I said, you know you have the division leaders that leaves the Mariners, that leaves the Blue Jays, and that leaves Tampa staying as the main three, in which that's where they are right now. But it's very close between Cleveland, Baltimore, Boston, and Chicago. In which I think Chicago, I feel like they have the best shot to make some noise and finally regress because they just have not been playing to their expectation, to their talent. Cleveland, I feel like it's going to regress negatively. Baltimore, same thing. Boston, same thing. Mostly because they didn't, you know, like help uh, with their trade acts. They did not do much at the trade deadline so Chicago has a shot but still Tampa Bay just knows how to win they're a great organization I trust them the most so with the same logic I just applied to uh, the Phillies I will apply to those other teams in which then as a result Tampa Bay will make that last wild card spot so that is it I wish I did this a little bit quicker but I just love it you know and hopefully you found this educational as much as the common person and this is this is what baseball's about, you know. You have a lot of madness, and you have a lot of crazes, and you just don't know what's going to happen next. And the trade deadline really does speak to just what can happen at any given moment in time. I know the trade deadline is over, but you're going to have this in the offseason, right? A lot of big guys, a lot of big names got signed in the previous offseason, in which it got overshadowed by a lockout. But you're going to have big trades. You're going to have offseason moves 
this upcoming one in the midst of the football season around December, uh, around November, like around the time that baseball ends with the World Series, you're going to love all the drama and the tension that comes with it. So even though you might not be a baseball fan, if you are in fact a sports fan, I would keep up with it just because like, you know, you're talking to someone like, oh, wait, he plays with that team. Like, don't sound like an idiot. They definitely keep up with it and almost sound like as if, you know, it is your place, your way of saying like, yeah, I kind of know what I'm talking about. And, and you know, I could definitely sound smart or feel smart. And even so, you know, like who doesn't love some transactions, a little bit of drama and, you know, feeling feeling the room a little bit. And baseball could definitely bring you all that. And it's just remarkable on and off the field. What a great product. And I know there's a lot of things wrong with it. But I'm talking about the things that are right with it today. So hopefully you guys were entertained by that as much as I am. And I just and it's it, we're coming down to the wire. The World Series is going to happen before you know it. I'm here for it. Hopefully you're there for it. And until then, I'm going to be following baseball. You better be. Maybe I'll keep up with the coverage. I know it's going to be mostly football throughout summer August, throughout summer September. But we got to do some baseball. And I'm going to be committed to it. I know I haven't taught that much baseball throughout the summer. This is my one main episode that I'm committing and dedicating myself to. So, you, if, But it's also up to you, too. It's not just me. I can't do everything for you, right? So at the end of the day, appreciate you, everything that you've given me, like this opportunity. And also just thank you to baseball. You know, I love this. I just love the conversations I've had with people. Hopefully this spurs conversations to within yourself or with others as a result of this episode. But keep in touch with the podcast as well as your favorite sports teams or with baseball in general and following all the teams, following all the, the injuries, fancy impact, or you know, like maybe there's a fight going on or this or that. And it's just this is this is what baseball can bring. It could be a circus. And who doesn't love a good circus, a good event to go to where you don't know what's gonna happen any given night? So as Sarah Lang would say, baseball's the best. Hopefully you agree. And I and, and I just love it. Love baseball, love this podcast. Thank you all very much. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at High Voltage with Double A.